You might not have put two and two together or realize that this podcast, it's actually produced by a nonprofit, listener-supported Wyoming Public Media. We're just a little old station housed in a basement on the beautiful University of Wyoming campus. We aren't getting paid big bucks as a for-profit business. No siree, we're making this podcast not for money, but because everyone on our team believes in what we do, telling the missing stories of the real American West. But that means we rely on people like you. If you make sure to download every episode as soon as it comes out, or have been telling all your friends what a big Modern West fan you are, or would be seriously bummed if we disappeared from your feed, If all that describes you, I wonder if you'd take a quick minute to do something for me. Get into your browser and search for themodernwest.org and find the donate button. It doesn't matter how much you commit to, $5 or $100. It just matters that you show us that you want us to keep telling these stories. My recommendation? Pause this episode and do it real quick before you forget at themodernwest.org. When I started trying to tell the story of my hometown and its struggles, I wanted to show people why it mattered. So often, the travails of the little guy, they just don't make it onto the front page of the paper. You know what I mean? But to me, what I'd witnessed in my life growing up in Walden, Colorado, was all an extension of what came before. History took one step at a time until it was this, a town on the brink. I struggled to find a way to bring that idea all together. Then the idea of ghost towns in the making, this romanticized notion of a dead town on the western frontier, that a town could see its death coming in slow motion. That started to buzz in my head. But from the beginning, we wanted this podcast to be a two-way conversation. Because maybe it wasn't just my town, my family, my community going through this hard time. So every episode included a question for you, our listener. And as the episodes went out into the world, we started getting your answer. I wasn't alone. Lots of you felt the same feeling of isolation. You told us you felt seen that rural western towns are valuable as caretakers of our western landscapes, if nothing else. The emails, the tweets, the phone calls, they came pouring in. So, we started calling you up and recording your stories. Today, we're going to share a few of those with you. From Wyoming Public Media and PRX, this is the modern West, exploring the evolving identity of the American West. I'm Melody Edwards. My name is Marcy Clendenin. I am a registered nurse, and I just recently moved back to Walden. Being back in Walden and hearing either hearing the stories again or hearing new stories from me being gone. And it's just so important to not only our history in Colorado or as a community, it's our own history. And you got to 
you know, we don't want to repeat some bad history, but you want to tell those stories so that we can maintain that. My name is Max Schaefer. I think it's really important to tell these stories just just so they're not lost, as cliche as that might sound. I think there's there's so much to be learned from American history when looking at these small towns. We just have such a cool history here in Jackson County that it, too, you just can't let those stories go. I think it's really important to continue to tell those stories simply so we never forget where we came from. My name is Joshua Wood. I live in Saratoga, Wyoming. I think it's important to have this conversation and to tell the stories so that people know that there are, that people outside of the West, outside of these rural communities know that it's not just whatever preconceived idea they have in their mind about what a rural community looks like. You know, North Park, that's a huge expanse of land that not many people live at, but it makes up a huge part of this country. And to understand that story and, and what it was, what it is, you know, and, and where it's going, I think is, is really vital to the story of American history. And also it adds a level of diversity. We bring a whole different story and a whole different point of view to things. When I see smaller communities go away, that diversity does too. My name is Jared Ewe, and I grew up near Walden in the suburb of Gould, Colorado. There's this, there's something there with small towns that, that sharing those stories, I think, is helpful for people to know that in, in some places, small town culture still exists, but it's still, it's struggling to survive in modern times. And I think that struggle can help everyone, no matter where they live. Because it's a lot to do with community and sustaining a decent place to live. My name's Philip Abernathy. I grew up in a very, very small rural town. And the middle of the Black Hills right now is seeing the same thing. You have people from much larger areas going, wow, it's gorgeous there. So they move here and then they build custom log homes that are very elaborate very expensive log homes and it raises the average home price so much that it makes it very very difficult and if the trends are going it's gonna get much worse very soon that a lot of people that are from here can't afford to live here it's not an even they don't want to live here. It's a they can't live here. My fear is that sometimes people think that a rural community struggles because maybe people don't care enough. And oftentimes it's the exact opposite. You have people who care. You have people who want to do stuff for the rural communities. The biggest thing that tends to happen sometimes is trying to find those resources and trying to get other people on board for a unified vision of where a rural community can go from from struggling to maybe not even surviving, but to the point of thriving. My name is Phelan Miller, and I grew up in a pretty rural environment. And since then, I've started a career that's really tied me to the city. And over the last seven years, I think I've been really focused on ways to get people 
back into a more rural lifestyle. Internet being one of the main issues for me to transition to that lifestyle again, I need to have good internet. My name's Amy Lillis. I am from Kearney, Nebraska. Well, I'm not from Kearney, Nebraska. I grew up there. So because my family was a transplant family, meaning my parents weren't born there, their parents weren't born there in Nebraska, you really had to fight initially to justify your belonging. And you either choose to belong and therefore have to fight to show that you actually are um, you do belong, even though we're, even though we're all carpetbaggers in a way, or you you choose not to belong and you remain an outsider. And I thought it was important to to belong and to be able to contribute. My name is Devin Lee. The reason why we always think of Middle America and the American West as being so white is because sadly there's been these interruptions to. American migration through legislation that have made it so these places were not accessible and not welcoming to immigrants, which is sad, especially because in sort of like post-industrial America, immigrants are becoming such an important force for filling in these gaps in rural communities in places like the American West. But oftentimes, you know, they're being met by these larger white communities that have grown up without people of color and who are unwelcoming to them. They talked in the episode about like the Chinese Exclusion Act and they talked about these Chinatowns in the American West that had been torn apart. And I remember being really struck by that because I remember learning about that for the first time, I think when I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school the Chinese Exclusion Act and the Rock Springs Massacre. And I totally know that the other kids didn't learn about it. The only reason I learned about it was because I had an Asian history teacher who was like from Texas and he was like, you guys have to learn this stuff. But I was really struck by it, especially because, well, after the Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed in the 40s, they replaced it with the Magnuson Act, which allowed some people to come, but it was really strict immigration quotas. I believe it was like 100 immigrants per country, which is still just, you know, dangerously low. And so my grandpa tried to come to the U.S. and he applied to go to school in the U.S. every year for like seven years, but he couldn't get in because, you know, the restrictions were so tight on immigration because of these laws. and. Eventually he got in on like the eighth try, but you know, he had to leave my dad and my grandma behind in Taiwan. It wasn't until those laws were repealed in the 60s that they could come and join him. And when they came, like they settled in Colorado, they didn't settle in someplace like California or New York, which always puzzles people because people are always like, why did they go to Colorado? My family in Taiwan, like they're like country people, you know, they're not from Taipei. They are from a farming family, so I think they're actually from the prairie in Taiwan. So I think some place like the American West appealed to them. And my dad very much like always identified as like a Westerner. And 
but he was, you know, obviously like a Chinese Westerner, and I think that always kind of weirded people out. People are always shocked by the fact that he has a very traditional, like Western guy accent. People are always asking him about where he was really from. He would talk about being one of like only. 30 non-white kids at his high school and there were 4,000 kids at our high school. I went to the same high school as him and it was better when I went, but when he went, there were only 30 kids who weren't white. Four of them were him and his siblings. And uh, it's weird talking to him and my aunts and uncles about how they had this very like quintessential Western upbringing. And I like see their family photos from growing up where they're like, you know, going to the rodeo and stuff like that. And yet to like constantly hear in the news and whatnot that like, oh, the American West, like middle America, that's like a white place. And I think listening to this episode of the modern West and hearing like this validation that people who look like my dad and his family, like this is nothing new in this place. Like there's a long history of people like my family here. Like this is, our place too and this always has been the only reason why it doesn't seem like it is because of these laws that were passed because of these race riots that happened and so i think that was something that like really resonated with me and to have someone else amplify that history on like wyoming public radio just made me i don't know it just really stuck with me we're all from somewhere else in the midwest there is, we're all carpetbaggers at some point. And that's what makes the Midwest the Midwest. We all came in and fought hard to establish a space. And that's something I think we should all be proud of. And instead of making newcomers feel feel like they have to prove themselves and have lived and sweated and shivered <laughs> through enough seasons to embrace the, the fact that folks do want to come. And how can we embrace them in a way that reinforces that we're all part of the same community? Hi, I'm John Updike. I'm concerned that Wyoming may not be as well connected to the rest of the country as I would like it to be. And a lot of folks don't feel safe in Wyoming. And that's been a hard thing for me to hear and wanting to share my background with folks who don't feel comfortable uh, traveling with me, who's comfortable and familiar with the place. And I would like more folks to feel comfortable coming to Wyoming because I think it can be a place that we celebrate. And rural places have historically been places of opportunity but they've also been places where some really terrible things have happened, and those are real stains that we have to confront if we're to overcome them. And it's something that continues to resonate for people outside of the state who perceive Wyoming, and it's easy for folks within Wyoming to think that we're beyond it, but if other folks are still acting in response to it, then we're not past it. I'm Todd Julian. I live in Sheridan, Wyoming. 
Well, I think we need, as a Western people, as a people living in the West and making a life out here, we need to be able to make sense of why certain communities have gone to the wayside or have disappeared, you know, in order to understand who we are now and make the necessary shifts in how we identify ourselves, you know, in order to build a future out here. In the episode that talked about Deerfield, you know, there was a woman who uh, was talking about these black communities uh, in the Old West, and she took issue with the phrase ghost town. And I thought that was so interesting because ghost implies it's dead, but we're continuing to learn from those communities. And that's, that's important, I think. You know, I had a good friend who told me that the responsibility of the writer is to entertain and to instruct and so like telling these stories is not only entertaining but it's instructing us about our past in order to understand ourselves in the present and create a new future you know like Walden is a great example of ghost towning right like it's becoming a ghost town and so is there a way to reverse that well uh, in the case of Walden sadly I don't know and I don't think the podcast, you know, made that suggestion. But for communities like Sheridan that are doing well, how do we avoid that in the future? And that, I think, is part of the importance of this. Like, how do we continue to look forward as the world changes? You know, I love, I love our history in this area as much as the next guy, but we've got to make some of our own history, too, in order to make sure that this community lasts and that the people here last and I think there's something very important about living in the West and I think reckoning with what that means is important to us as humans right this is an area so fraught with violence and history and beauty and like steadfastness and starting over it's so deeply american but it's also so and so the more time we spend talking about what makes up these rural communities better what makes them important in the moment the more we can understand why they need to stick around into the future and maybe that's just because somebody needs to be here to appreciate the area you know and love the land and be a part of that Thanks so much to Alex Schaefer for putting together this bonus episode. And thanks to all our listeners who shared their stories. One of our missions here at the Modern West is to encourage civil discourse. So we've decided to adopt this approach permanently. At the end of future seasons, you'll always get to hear from other listeners. And we hope you'll call in with your thoughts, too, whether you agree with what you hear or not. I'm Melody Edwards. Aaron Jones is our story editor. Our digital producer is Anna Rader. Our theme song is by Screen Door Porch. The Modern West is a production of PRX and Wyoming Public Media.
One of our goals is to get a dialogue flowing about the stories that we're telling. We're hoping that you'll join the conversation. So connect with us on social media and let us know what your thoughts are, whether you agree with what you're hearing or not. We're at Modern West Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That's Modern West Pod.